Hey everyone, this is Tim Harris. I'm the pastor of Woodburn Baptist Church and this is our weekly podcast. Hope it encourages you. Hope it makes you want to be closer to Jesus and more like him. Hope you enjoy this sermon. And if you want to know more about us, find us online at woodburnbaptist.org. Now, Jason, I work with you every day of the week, and uh, I don't ever, we don't ever get any of that, y'all. Uh, I'm going to need you to start singing to me more often, Jason. That was, that was amazing. Open your Bibles to 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 22. Let's continue talking about how revival happens. 2 Kings chapter 22. Let's start here. What is important to the parents can be lost by the children. Y'all agree with that? Give me some examples. Now, understand, when we do this, when we talk about this, you are both, probably most of us parents, but you're also children. So it goes both ways. There are things that were important to your parents, to the previous generation, that you have lost, and then things that as a, a parent, as a, the, the passing generation, the, that the rising generation isn't keeping that is important to you. So let's talk about this. What is important to the parents that can be lost by the children? Give me some examples. Think about your own parents, that generation. What was important to them that's been lost? Manners. manners. Yeah, that's a yes. Absolutely, manners. Yeah. What else? Being at church. Being at church. Yeah, being at church, being devoted and faithful to the church. Used to, they'd say, you know, you describe the person that was in church every time the door is open. And uh, aren't a lot of people every time the door is open anymore. Uh, keep going. What else? Work, yeah, just basic work, how to work, how to value work, how to show up at work, how to work hard. That's a skill, and it's a skill that, that is often not, not passed on. Now, can we also just admit that sometimes we're not very good at knowing what is important? Sometimes what we pass on is not necessarily the most important things. Uh, I, I remember my dad, y'all, and y'all know Don Harris, but y'all don't really know Don Harris. Um, like we would have air, we've always had air conditioning in our house, but we never got to run it because dad would like dad would, you know, sometimes we would turn on the air condition never before July 4th. I don't know where it is in the Bible, July 4th, but we can never have air conditioning before July 4th. And if we had the air condition on, dad always gave us the impression that like, like, like we might as well just been throwing money around, you know? And I, as a kid, I thought it must cost like $100,000, $200,000, you know, to have air. My dad would have air conditioning in the car, but you would never, ever, ever turn the air conditioning on in the car because it used gas. I mean, I thought that if we turn on the air, like we'd be just out of gas instantly because dad just, you know, impressed on me. Dad would say, don't ever buy a car with anything automatic. No push button windows, nothing like that. That's just something to tear up. That's what dad would say. Dad's out there with a car now. Windows are all automatic. Everything's automatic. Yeah, but, but back in the day, those things seemed important. Those things seemed important. And sometimes what we pass on aren't the most important things. Sometimes even as parents, as adults, we don't even end up following the things that we once thought were important. That, that generation that came through the Depression, when they became older, they all started heading up on buses to the casinos. You know, the same people, you know, who told us how, you know, the value of a dollar, you know, began to see gambling as just simply recreation. So it's interesting how sometimes the parents, sometimes that generation doesn't even hang on to what's important. What is important to the parents 
can be lost by the children, and this is especially true when it comes to matters of faith. Now, there's also something that we don't talk about as often, but it's important. What is lost by the parents can be recovered by the children. Honestly, most ever revival that you've ever heard of, most ever revival you've ever imagined, any revival in history, this is what happened. Something got lost and it had to be picked up again by a new generation. And that's how revival happens. And it's what happens in 2 Kings chapter 22 with a boy king named Josiah. Josiah was eight years old and he became king. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. But that's not the same thing you could say for his daddy. His daddy was King Ammon who reigned, and he was so wicked, they assassinated him. Like even wicked people couldn't stand Ammon. I mean, he was too wicked for wicked people. Ammon's father was Manasseh. Manasseh was a wicked king. I mean, we've had generations of wicked kings. We're also talking about Josiah's father and Josiah's grandfather. But in 2 Kings chapter 22, out of nowhere comes this boy king, Josiah, who does what is right in the eyes of the Lord. And his story is amazing. Let's talk about revival under Josiah in 2 Kings chapter 22. Y'all are not going to believe. Y'all know this story? You're not going to believe this story. 2 Kings chapter 22. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother was Dedida, the daughter of Adiah from Bozkath. And Josiah did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not turn away from doing what was left. He did not turn away from doing what was right. The Hebrew says he did not turn either to the left or to the right. There was no compromise with Josiah. He followed the Lord. Verse 3, in the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent Shaphan, son of Azalea, and grandson of Meshulam, the court secretary, to the temple of the Lord. He told him, go to Hilkiah, the high priest, and have him count the money the gatekeepers have collected from the people at the Lord's temple. Entrust this money to the men assigned to supervise the restoration of the Lord's temple. Then they can use it to pay workers to repair the temple. They will need to hire carpenters, builders, masons, and also have them buy the timber and the finished stone needed to repair the temple, but don't require the construction supervisors to keep account of the money they receive. They are all honest and trustworthy men. Verse 8, Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the court secretary, I found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. Then Hilkiah gave the scroll to Shaphan and he read it. Shaphan went to the king and reported, your officials have turned over the money collected at the temple of the Lord to the workers and the supervisors at the temple. Shaphan also told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a scroll. So Shaphan read it to the king. When the king heard what was written in the book of the law, he tore his clothes in despair. Then he gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam son of Shaphan, Akbor son of Micaiah, Shaphan the court secretary, and Isaiah the king's personal advisor. Go to the temple, 
Speak to the Lord for me and for the people and for all of Judah. Inquire about the words written in the scroll that has been found. For the Lord's great anger is burning against us because our ancestors have not obeyed the words in the scroll. We have not been doing everything it says we must do. So Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, Akbor, Shaphan, and Isaiah went into the new quarter of Jerusalem to consult with the prophet Huldah. She was the wife of Shalom, son of Tikvah, son of Harhas, the keeper of the temple wardrobe. She said to him, the Lord, the God of Israel has spoken. Go back and tell the man who sent you, this is what the Lord says. I'm going to bring disaster on the city and its people. All the words written in the scroll that the king of Judah has read will come true. For my people have abandoned me and offered sacrifices to pagan gods. And I am very angry with them for everything they have done. My anger will burn against this place and it will not be quenched. But go to the king of Judah who sent you to seek the Lord and tell him. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says concerning the message you've just heard. You were sorry, humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I said against this city and its people, that this land would be cursed and become desolate. You tore your clothing in despair and wept before me in repentance, and I have indeed heard you, says the Lord. So I will not send the promised disaster until after you have died and been buried in peace you will not see the disaster I'm going to bring on this city. So they took her message back to the king. All right. The story begins in the early part of chapter 22 when King Josiah sends Shaphan to the temple to do what? What's happening? It's kind of exciting. Sends Shaphan to the temple because what's going on at the temple? It's a building program. Y'all ever been through a church building program? There is nothing more exciting than that. That, that is fun. That is exciting. So Shafin goes to sort of take care of some of the money stuff, right? They got to hire contractors, carpenters, builders, masons, got to buy some wood, got to make a trip to Lowe's, get some stone, everything needed. But Josiah says, I don't need to see the receipts. Everybody's honest. Yeah. So there's a building program going on at the temple. This is cool. This is exciting. If you've ever been through a building program at church, and we have here at Woodburn several times, that's just neat. Everybody loves that. Everybody loves to see a building goes up. Everybody loves to see things made new, and that's exactly what they're doing. I, I, I love that. I, I'm excited by that. I love the fact that Josiah wants to see the temple restored. That's beautiful. They're starting over. The temple has fallen into terrible disrepair. Back in his grandfather's day, Manasseh turned the temple of Jerusalem into a, into a house of pagan worship. He set up poles and idols right there in the temple. This place has absolutely gone to pot. And now Josiah is cleaning it up. It's amazing. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. But in the process of all of that, they find something. What is it that they find? The scroll, the book of the law. They find the Bible. And I got all kinds of questions here, like all kinds of questions. Like, had nobody missed that? Like the scroll, the book of the law is somewhere in the back of the temple under some sort of pile of junk. 
And you got the high priest, and you got a prophetess here, and you got the whole, t- you got the whole building committee. Yeah, you got the treasure. I mean, the church is going. The temple's just busy. They got a building program. They got all the funds coming through. Josiah says, I don't even need to receive the receipts. Everybody's honest. One thing they don't have is the Bible. It's been lost. For how long? Like, how many Sundays can you go without a Bible in the temple and nobody think, didn't we used to have a scroll around here somewhere? Didn't we used to read something when we all get, didn't we, didn't the high priest used to sometimes read to us out of something? I, I, I really don't understand. How can you lose the word of God and, and be the people of God? How can you have so much going on at the temple? Like Josiah, he's a good king. He's one of the best kings they've had in a long, long time. But he's been here 18 years now. 18 years of trying to get everybody on the right track. But in the course of getting on the right track, did nobody think to go back and look at the word of God? They got building plans. They don't have the word of God. And they haven't even missed it. How in the world could the people of God, the, the, the community that's, that's built upon the worship of God, how can they lose the word of God and not even miss it? Now, I would say this about us because as easy as it is to talk about these people like they're idiots, I don't necessarily think that this is something that couldn't happen to a congregation like us. I think the key is not to be distracted by activity at church that doesn't fulfill our purpose. Man, you got a building program going on. You know, as long as you got something exciting going on, sometimes you can forget what it is that's supposed to be going on. And honestly, in, in every church you've ever known, in every church I've ever known, including this one, including right now in our day, there's this tendency, this temptation to make a lot of things happen around here. I mean, we got an amazing facility. We got money rolling in. We got lots of people with lots of ideas. We could do a whole lot of things, and often we do a whole lot of things. And sometimes you got people with new ideas, and, and I'm not saying we don't want new ideas. I'm not saying we don't do, want to do a whole lot of things. But you don't want to do a whole lot of things and then forget what the main thing is that we're here to do. Well, we get distracted by activity, by religious activity. Man, even in worship, you know, I mean, we, we can just go and, and, and just forget the spirit, you know, the presence, the the, the, the sacrifice of Jesus, we can just forget all of that. Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the court secretary, I, I found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. Guess what I found? And they come back and report to the king, and that's not even the first thing they tell him. That's not even the first thing, because to them, they don't even understand the significance of what just happened. How can you lose the word of God? Y'all, one day, former pastor of our church, his name was Wallace Morris. Brother Morris, y'all, y'all would have to know Wallace Morris. There's never been one like him before or since. Wallace Morris is one of a kind. He drove this gigantic, gigantic car, gigantic car. 
And, uh, and it was just trashed, just trashed inside and out. You'd have to know Wallace. So one day on a beautiful spring day, Wallace Morris was driving to Woodburn Baptist Church to do a wedding. And it was such a pretty day. And the sun was shining. He's coming down from Owensboro down the parkway. And Brother Morris just decided to clean out his car. Now, I'm not saying do this. Bromo's a good example in a lot of ways, but don't do this. His idea of cleaning out his car was just to roll down all the windows and just start slinging stuff. Like he's going down the parkway just slinging stuff out. And he had a lot of stuff. I mean, you just have to, you would have to have seen his car, a lot of stuff. And, and I guess Wallace just decided it's spring cleaning, so he's just throwing it out, going down the parkway like Tennessee trash. Remember that old commercial? Just throwing stuff out. He pulls in the church parking lot with the cleanest his car has been in years. Absolutely clean. He comes inside to do the wedding. He does the wedding. Performs the wedding, and Brother Morris always did a great wedding. He did everything well. He did everything really well. Preached that wedding. At the end of the wedding, it's time to sign the marriage license. So they start with the, where is the marriage license? And Brother Morris said, well, I had it. And then he remembers, it was in my car. And then he realizes, now, where is the marriage license? Somewhere up and down the parkway. Yeah, just, you know, just, you know. How would we, how do you throw out the Bible? You know, I, I really don't understand. I mean, how is it that in the course of everything important to us that that could be something that would be lost? Well, I, I would say it this way. I would, I'll use the word backsliding. It's, a, it's an old-timey word, but it's a, it's, a, it's a very modern thing, just the same Backsliding happens gradually and then all at once. Kind of like old age. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you get old gradually and then all at once. I'm watching this with my dog, Aggie, y'all. My dog, Aggie, is like 15 years old now, which I don't know how old that is in dog years, but I'm beginning to understand how old that is in dog years. Aggie, it just seems like yesterday started slowing down a little you know, because used to, she would see us coming and she'd be like, you know, boom, like somebody shot her out of a rocket, fastest dog in the world. And man, I mean, she was just energetic and amazing. She'd just eat, you know, and she was fun. She'd chasing balls. And then she got slower, a little bit at a time. The, the hair around her nose got white, you know. And then like all of a sudden, it seems like just last month, all of a sudden, this dog you know, like got one leg that won't work anymore. Like she jumps off the chair and, and trips. Like my dog trips walking across the floor, you know, and, and all of her hair is white and she's like, she can't see us anymore. She can't, she's deaf now. We have to tap her on, Casey tap, you got to know my wife. Casey taps her on the shoulder and says, Aggie, do you need to go out? <laughs> do you need to go out? Like, like Aggie's going to read lips, you know. And she's also blind, you know, the deaf blind dog in case he's tapping her and going, you need to go out, you know, man, the dog got old real gradually and then all at once. As we begin to fall away from the Lord, it happens really slowly, sometimes nearly imperceptibly. It's just the little compromises. Remember how Josiah is the one who does not turn to the left and not to the right. He, he is focused on the, the direction, and the direction is to move exactly in the direction of where God is. 
This is what makes Josiah amazing. He doesn't compromise, but, but for us in, in falling away, the, the compromises are so small at first that it hardly even seems like a compromise. It just seems like a good idea, you know, or just a one-time thing. And, and so the fate is really rather slow. You know, it's, it's just that Sunday when we sit, sit out church, even though we typically never miss church, but, you know, today seems like a, a pretty day to get some yard work done. You know, it's just, it's just the little things like that. And I'm not saying you can't skip a Sunday to get some yard work done. I'm just saying when you do that sometimes, you step off onto a path and you haven't yet thought about where that path's going to lead you. It's a step on a path. Every choice you make is a step down a path, and you don't often think about that, but the, 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 the fate is slow. You, you started out with this habit of being in the Word and habit of being in the Word with your children, and then that habit slips. And at first, you just say to yourself, well, you know, that's just one thing. We're still in church, and I'm still saying bedtime prayers with my kids, and you know how we are? It's just... You can find a way to just say, that, that's not that big a deal. None of this is that big a deal. And this is a point I'm making. It's the tiny little compromises you just start to make. You're not in the Word. You're not praying anymore. And, and sooner or later, you, you, you've completely fallen away. It's kind of gradual, and it's all at once. So you ask, how in the world? I mean, how in the world did they end up being the people of God in the temple of God and they've forgotten all about the book of the Lord? It is so far out of their minds that nobody even missed it. Like they're still having worship at the temple without the book of the law and nobody even thought that there was anything weird about that. It's really strange when what is not normal for the people of God becomes normal for the people of God. And when lukewarmness becomes normal, when an unrevived state becomes normal, when worship without the presence of God seems normal, when preaching without the word of God seems normal, when you call yourself a believer, but you do not live a life of faith, and you think that's normal, backsliding happens gradually and then all at once. And so all at once, they say, we found a scroll, you know? We found a scroll back there under this pile of junk, you know? They bring it to the king. They read it to him. Now, understand, the high priest, he read it. Shaphan read it. They're just like, look what we found. Wonder how old this thing is, you know? Verse 11, Josiah is different. He's a different kind of man. When the king heard what was written in the book of the law, he tore his clothes in despair. Now, when and why would a person you know, tear their clothes in the ancient world? What's that a sign of? That, that's a sign of mourning. That's a sign of a person who is coming apart, a person who is coming unglued. It's a sign of incredible grief. It's a sign of devastating, devastating sorrow. And this is what happens to Josiah when he hears the book of the law for the first time in his life. The first thing that happens is he realizes, this is the word of God. 
And, and this is supposed to be our way of life. This is God telling us how to live, and we have not lived that way. I don't know anybody who's ever lived that way. My daddy didn't live that way. My grandfather hasn't lived that way, and we're not living that way. It's like somebody has died. It's like, it's, it's like a, national, a national emergency. It's like a funeral. It's like the end of Josiah's life. He tears his clothes in grief. This man comes apart. He calls everybody back in and says, go to the temple, speak to the Lord for me and for the people. You know, go find the prophet, inquire about the words, find out what this means, find out what we've got to do. We've not been doing everything it says we must do. Man, when is the last time you heard anybody read the Bible and it affected you like that? It affected you like that. Like you hear something in the word and you think, I'm not doing that. That's God telling me how to live, and I'm not living that way. Like when's the last time the Bible affected you that way? Like you hear the word of the Lord, and not just as a devotional kind of thought. Like, you know, like when you put the verse you love best on Facebook in front of like a picture of some birds, no, that's not the way Josiah heard the word of the Lord. It wasn't like an inspiring verse of the day. It was like a torpedo right into his heart. It wrecks him because he realizes this is not how I live. This is not what I do. I'm not sure that we will ever be the people that God wants us to be until we have a very different relationship with the Word of God, a very different relationship. Let me just break it down. There are four things I see in Josiah, and I want them in me. Hearing God's Word requires us. Say the words. Soft heart. Soft heart. I can remember being in first grade, Marjorie Bonds' uh, class, uh, learning to write with a big old fat pencil. Remember those gigantic first grade pencils because our little fingers and hands are so chubby. And like a gigantic pencil, like a cigar. And uh, I'm learning to write. And can you remember in school in those early days when you're first learning to write and your hand would just, oh, just cramp up so bad. And, and then uh, the inside of your finger would just get really raw from just that pencil rubbing all the time, you know. Funny thing, at the age of 57, I've got a callus on the side of this finger right here that's hard as a rock. Yeah, it's a callus. Well, what do calluses do? What are calluses for? A, a callus is there because that's the place where I continue to rub that raw, you know, rub it so very tender. And so the skin becomes hard so that I don't feel that pencil there anymore. I don't continue to rub a blister. You know, and the calluses, you know, these other calluses are all from preaching, y'all. I got preaching calluses on my, on my hand here. Um, uh, the calluses are there where you just continue to have the same contact, you know, and so it develops a hardened crust so that there's no longer a, a tender place there, you know. By now, some of you have heard the word of God so many times you got a callus over your heart. You've got a callus. The word of God no longer reaches a tender place in you because you've heard it all before. You've heard it all before. I start reading and you can start quoting and you've heard it all before. And because you've heard it all before, you therefore don't listen anymore. 
And, and because you don't listen, the word of God never really reaches a tender place in your heart because there are no tender places in your heart anymore. God help us. When Josiah hears the word of God, it is for the first time, and, and it, it, it breaks him into pieces. When's the last time? When's the last time you read the word of God and it broke you into pieces? You, you, you need a soft heart. Hearing God's word requires a soft heart, a repentant spirit. When Josiah hears the word of God, he, he immediately makes the connection between what God says and what his life looks like. And Josiah realizes, I've got to line these things up. It is not acceptable that God says one thing and I do another thing. That is not acceptable. He has a repentant spirit. I mean, he just comes at this, just, just what do I need to do? Go find out what we need to do, what needs to happen. It's a repentant spirit. And this is exactly what most of us don't have anymore. I mean, we just don't. When's the last time that your heart was broken over your own sin? I know y'all are good church people. I know y'all aren't out there cooking meth. I, I, I know that. I, I, I'm not accusing you of you know, some horrible sin that would get you thrown in jail, but do you understand gossip? Do, do, you, do you understand all of the small sins that, that we consider small? They are still an offense to God. They block your relationship with God. And if you love the presence of the Lord, you're going to hate your own sin. It's a repentant spirit, a determination to obey. Josiah, you just, you know, go find out, inquire about the words written on this scroll. We've not been doing everything it says we must do. Josiah has a determination to fix that. Tell me what I need to do. Understand, it requires a willingness to change because you can't read the word of God and then walk away and not be different. What's James say? That's like the fool that looks at their face in the mirror and then turns around and forgets what they look like. When you read the word of God, you, you, you listen for commandments to obey, for, for principles with which to align your life. See, revival happens from Josiah. His father didn't do this well. His grandfather was a wicked, wicked man. Josiah's coming back to put the pieces back together. And among all the things lost from the, from the previous generations, it's the word of God that's been gone for a long, long time. They find it. Josiah reads it. And the whole course of the nation has changed. I think it's possible that you and I can uh, have the word of God. Like, I don't see any real chance of us losing it. We've, we, got, we all got 13 copies at home. But you understand, the person who doesn't read the Bible is no better off than the person who doesn't have a Bible. And the person who doesn't obey the Bible is no better off than the person who doesn't read the Bible. Pray for soft hearts. Let's pray for repentant spirits. Let's be determined to obey. Allow the Spirit to change us. You think revival comes any other way? Pray with me.